welcome to the On The Whistle podcast. I'm your host, Zane Nabi. Oh no, sorry. I'm your host, Alistair Howard. Zane Nabi is out of here. I've come to take his spot as the man in the chair. And we, you know, Zane Nabi has been by democratic vote kicked out of the On The Whistle podcast. I'm just kidding. He's unavailable today. But today I've got I've got two special guests in his place. We've got the the, the old boys, Courtney Freeze. Courtney, how are you doing? Alistair, lovely to be here. Lovely to see you again. I like the new hairstyle. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And our other man in the chair, Francis Inquine. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing very well, my brother. Happy we finally got rid of Zane. Uh, I think uh, in the spirit of all things departed, departed and all things new, like at Buckingham Palace, long live the new king. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I like that. Francis, is, you're getting a promotion soon. Don't worry. <laughs> Well, boys, I mean, the big topic today is obviously we've got the World Cup around the corner and this is the last international break before the World Cup. And, you know, so we've got the African teams, the five African teams, Tunisia, Morocco, Senegal, Cameroon and Ghana going to the World Cup, playing their final World Cup friendlies. And, you know, I wanted to specifically talk about Ghana today because I think we've got a really interesting situation going on there. You know, we, we've spoken to, you know, a friend of the pod, Chris Hutton, who's been at Ghana now as the director of football. And so we kind of had a bit of an insight into, into what Ghana is like as a, as a football playing country. But obviously they had a really poor Africa Cup of Nations and they pulled off a miracle qualification for the World Cup over Nigeria. But now what they've done is, you know, and we've probably seen it in, you know, either through the news or through the memes in that Ghana has had the best transfer window of anyone this summer because they've recruited a lot of players including the big ones, you know, Mohamed Salisu from, from uh, Southampton. We've seen Tarek Lamptey from Brighton and Inaki Williams up front from Athletic Bilbao. And so, I, you know, the question I really wanted to posit to you guys for this pod is, you know, how do you feel of, you know, a team like Ghana, very historic team, team has done really well at the World Cup in the past, you know, drafting in these players who previously haven't shown, you know, particularly in Inaki Williams and Sat Mohamed Salisu's case, you know, have said that they didn't want to play for the Ghana national team or have at least shown disinterest. You know, how do you feel now that they're joining kind of on the verge of a World Cup? Um, Courtney, I'll come to you first as a former player. You know, what does that make you feel? Is, is it, are these guys being mercenaries kind of just joining or is, is there something more to it? Alistair, the when the World Cup comes around, you you normally get these stories. Sometimes it's not the players, sometimes it's just the managers. You can I go back, back into previous World Cups where uh, Sven Joran Eriksson was the manager of Senegal for a period just for the World Cup. So um, I, I don't take this really personal. If it's going to help the game of Ghana, if it's going to help the team of Ghana, uh, I, I can't really see a problem with it. Is it something I would have personally done as a manager? No. I would have kept with my team. My team has got me there. Obviously, injuries decide who goes and who does not go. But, you know, the, 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 um, the benefits of the team doing so well is what I think the Ghana Federation is looking at here. So they bring in the best possible options for the team to do well and of that, a lot of green shoots grow. The better the team does, the better the country does, the better the organization does. So I, I, can, see, I can see the forward thinking about it. So I'm, I'm actually not giving an answer. I'm almost like in a yes and no category at the moment. You're, you're being very diplomatic, Courtney. It's very unlike you. It's, 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 it's yeah. a shame. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, Francis, I, I would say, especially, you know, you, you coming from Cameroon, you, you know, you have a horse in this race in the World Cup, you know, and I would posit that question to you as well, as we've seen a lot of African players, you know, who representing their country who, you know, maybe they're representing it through their parents, you know, they're born and raised in Europe, a lot of them. And that's, you know, that's been an issue in, in the Cameroonian team in the past is, you know, that causing a bit of disharmony in, in the team, having players from different places. And, you know, what, what's, what's your read on the situation? Well, I think the call to serve one's fatherland or motherland is, is exactly that. It's really actually a service to yourself. It's always a service to others. Um, so whenever you connect with it is your choice. But just like Courtney said, I think it's always a risk, um, but a considered risk. And knowing Chris, for example, in Ghana, uh, I know they have gone to great lengths to make sure that they're picking people who want to, at this point in time, whatever their motivation, but at this point in time, want to make a good showing of themselves for the sake of a cause that is hopefully bigger than themselves. Um, but they're using these games more as the sifting grounds almost. So they're inviting people to come in to see how they also fit in with the others and go away and spend uh, five, six days together and you see what chemistry can be built. Uh, one thing you want to avoid is building clicks and all that kind of stuff. And it's a risk you run. Uh, but I think um, like with Cameroon, we had it and still have it at times. Even now there's a call for some of our lads who are maybe haven't represented the country before to integrate the team because there's a belief they could lift the quality. Senegal have similar calls, have had similar calls. But the essential, like you pointed out at the very beginning, is like it's, it's, it's a cup competition and it's at its best outcome, it's seven games, you know, and it's seven games that could change the trajectory of a nation and definitely change the trajectory of an individual's careers. So they can look at it and just weigh it up and decide whether it works for them or not. Mm. Do you guys think that this is a, enough time, I guess would be my next question is, you know, two games, one international break. You know, a lot of these players haven't had any time to, you know, play for, for their national teams. Is this the time to introduce new players or is it, you know, we have to get the best in? Well, uh, if I may, oh. Sorry, my apologies, Francisco, sir. No, I was just going to say, just as a continuation, I think the reason is they do it now because England, all countries always have a couple of wild cards, two, three players that they introduce in these kind of tournaments. The difference this time around as well is also you're allowed to take 26 players to the World Cup. You know, you, you have the opportunity to change five players during a game so they can use more talent. So it will not hurt. And they also... We'll have mini camps just before the World Cup begins with the option to review, I think it's up to six of the names that they will have in before the final list is actually sent in. So again, there's the chance for, for the technicians to take a look at them. They know that in November, they will have another opportunity to do this before the final list is sent in. But if they don't do it now, then when? It's not like we have loads of uh, windows or they have been previously, so. From my point of view, I think as a federation, they're looking for maximum impact here. Uh, and the, it's a short period of time. The, the legacy of what they can get out of having these players in the team um, far outweighs not having them in the team, number one. Number two, these are not bad players. Let's just look at Lamptey, who is at uh, Brighton, am I correct? I think any team in the world having him at right back would jump for that 
prospect. He's going to go to a big team potentially next season. Wonderful player, number one. Very, very young, number two. So, you know, it's not like they're drafting in um, a flat battery. These are good players. Absolutely good players. So I just think it's, it's a risk worth taking because of the impact when the team does very, very well. You know, and there is a possibility of the team doing well. And what is, so let's categorize what is doing well for Ghana. What is doing well for Ghana? Two wins and a loss is doing exceptionally well. More than that is out of this world. You must remember the manner on which they qualified into the World Cup. Okay. They, 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 um, beat South Africa with a controversial penalty, went to Nigeria, won away from home, got through, okay? So they're not at their finest in terms of form. So for them, their projection of doing well is different. If they start, if they win two games and get into the last 16, wow, brilliant for the, for the country, brilliant. Not just for the country, for the continent, hands down, for the continent. This is why they're looking at maximum impact Get in as much quality as possible. You know, because Lamty, Francis, please correct me. Lamty is born in England, am I correct? Yes. Lamty is going to, he could have played for England at right back, not at this World Cup. His possibility is coming. His possibility is coming. He is not a flat battery. That is a very good player. You make a very good point. And I think these friendlies that we are going to see over the coming days, um, the thing that I find interesting about them is the locations. Uh, the French, again, have proven to be uh, great hosts to their <laughs> African friends, so to speak. And their economy will get a nice little boost from these amazing games like Ghana against Brazil at Le Havre. Uh, I believe even the Senegalese are playing Bolivia. Uh, in France, uh, but the Cameroonians are getting on a plane and flying all the way to South Korea um, to play uh, Son from Tottenham and his friends over there. And we also have a game against Uzbekistan, which um, I struggle to understand its relevance in terms of uh, the, the teams we will be up against, but I understand it was arranged by the South Koreans to whom both Costa Rica and Cameroon, who they invited to play them, uh, because they're playing Cameroon because they have a game against Ghana, for example. And I was speaking with Chris, who's playing Brazil, who will be who playing Ghana because they have a game against Cameroon. Um, everybody has a reason why they're playing each other. But I think it'll be a nice opportunity to check out some of these new young lads who are not flat batteries, like Courtney says. Um, but the locations of the game I find interesting, and I hope another day we will find the chance to talk about um, why we don't host any friendly games in our home countries and invite some of these superstars and great nations. Imagine Neymar flying into Accra for a game this week, and it would have been something amazing for, for the Ghanaians, an opportunity to see some of these superstars up close. But um, somehow we always choose the option where the other person's picking up the tab, and then they call the shots in terms of where we're going. So. We'll leave that at that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's, it's a real shame that we haven't seen, particularly when we have, you know, countries like Senegal unveiling these, you know, brand new shiny stadiums. It would be amazing for them to, to host some of these games. And, you know, to a, a certain extent, there's a lot of an argument saying, oh, 
you know, they want to do it in Europe because that's where the players play, then, then why is, you know, Cameroon having to go to South Korea? You know, it's no, nowhere okay, near. And we've just built a whole bunch of stadiums for the African Cup of exactly. Nations and we're not using it. And you're like, uh, to qualify, we qualify for the World Cup, why don't you use this infrastructure and invite some people over here and make use of them and have the population get to see them. Have the Senegalese do the same over there. Have the Ghanaians do the same in their space. Have the Moroccans. Even Morocco, who are close by, are playing in Spain. They're from you. And you're like, come on. I'm like, is anybody going to play at home? You know, yeah, it's, it bothers me. So you mind if I just come in there and I'm, I'm going to follow on from something Alice that actually told us during, I think, the African Nations Cup for Women. The facilities in Morocco, uh, Alistair, I think you alluded to them being some of the best. Absolutely. So how does a country like that with that level of facility, not be able to attract a team like Spain. Because let's be honest, you can drive from Morocco to Spain. It's not a far distance, you know? Why is Spain not going the other way? Francis, you mentioned a very valid point in, in preparation for the African Nations Cup. Um, Cameroon built these beautiful stadiums. Why have they now had to travel out? Uzbekistan, are, are they in the World Cup? No, so oh, hold on. So why not give them the opportunity to go to Africa and play Cameroon? And I, and I think this is a conversation that we need to have because we really, um, the politics of the friendly space is very, very political. Mm. And, but the economics is always, is always wrong because our African federations are always looking for the other person to underwrite the the trip. So South Korea, I assure you, for the Cameroonian Federation is zero cost, you know? So the South Koreans would foot the bill and will bring you over and host you and everything. And we need to stop putting our money where our mouths are, or at least where our dreams are. Yeah, 100%. I, you know, Courtney, I was thinking exactly what you said. I was thinking, you know, like Morocco has the fantastic facilities there is absolutely no reason why they especially wouldn't wouldn't be hosting and you know it's a big surprise that particularly them i mean you know i would have thought that there was a lot more of an interest you know to to go there both its proximity to europe um as well as the you know connections uh to, to qatar um but you know i wanted to ask you guys as well on this is you know you mentioned you know team uh, brazil playing ghana you know in preparation for for playing Cameroon or, you know, and, and how you feel, guys feel about this, you know, countries, it's almost, you know, there's no, I feel like in most other areas of life, we really fight to avoid stereotyping. But when it comes to football, we, we fully embrace it. And, you know, every big team is looking to play a team from the same continent. You know, do you feel like, a, you know, a friendly against Ghana will prepare you for a World Cup match against Cameroon more than, you know, uh, a game against, you know, whoever, Switzerland or something like that. You know, wh why are we saying, you know, you play one African country, you're prepared to play every other African country. You know, you played one Asian country, you can play in another Asian country. How do you guys feel about that? Well, prejudice and stereotypes still inform our everyday operations. That's the sad reality of it. Um, I think maybe it's, it's lazy thinking sometimes uh because i know like in the cameroonian press the first question was why is cameroon playing south korea it wasn't a question of like well, this is a really good team and the coach had to come out to explain that it's they play fast football they're super fit and for us it'll be a real test and you know, 
But everybody was just like, well, we're not playing any teams from that part of the world, so what's the point of... And you're like, no, it's not really the way it works, you know. But um, I think as commentators and observers, as opposed to participants like Courtney, who has played the game, I think it's hard not to be prejudicial um, because you might tend... It's it's lazy, like I said, of the off. Um, but it's the way we do things in general because it's easier marketing. It's an easy thing to show your population that you're preparing for something because this is a form of, it's, it's, it's a civil war that you're engaging with. It's very um, polite, but the nation has to rally around the cause. And so sometimes I think a lot of the teams are chosen more as a, a play to the audience, speaking more to, to a nation why they need to get excited and get behind their country and wave their flags. And so it, it gets a little bit tribal. And in that tribal sense, inadvertently, the prejudices come to the fore. You know, in a way, uh, Francis, you've answered part of my question as well. I think, I think all these fixtures are very heavily financially driven as well. Um, there is an element of preparing the team. I, I don't disagree with that because the team has to go and play, settle in an environment. There is an element of also letting the team the team gel together and build some level of team spirit. That that, that is the norm. That happens anyway. But there is also the financial element to it as well. Like for example, you guys knew and know my rant I had a few months ago about South Africa going to France to play. Uh, France, Bafana, Bafana. I up to today, I don't know what were they doing there. South Africa hasn't qualified for a Kosafa Cup or an African Nations Cup in years, but they're going to play the world champions in France. You know, aimless fixtures uh, happen because of people's greed and desire to be on the same pitch as other as the superstars. Number one, and there's a money aspect as well. I'm sure the the uh, French Federation offered South Africa good money to come over. They didn't go and play there for free. So we're in a money-driven climate. We've got to understand that decisions sometimes are made minus football decisions. Uh, do they make always make sense? No. Well, I, I promised I would keep it short for Zane. Otherwise, he'll he'll be on my back telling me telling me off when when he finds out how long the podcast has run. So we'll keep it short. But. You know, listener, if you've been listening to this and you disagree with Courtney or Francis, you know, I totally understand. Um, but if you do hit us up on, on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, OTW underscore podcast, as well as you can find us on Facebook and YouTube at On The Whistle Podcast. And write to us, tell us, tell us how you feel. You know, do you think that it's right for Ghana to be recruiting some of these players and in, in their preparations of the World Cup? Or do you think that they should have stuck with those who got them there, who, who played in those matches against Nigeria and Ghana? And how do you feel about these final friendlies that we're coming into, the final moment to prepare? Boys, I'm going to ask you for one more question. We'll do a full preview podcast and we'll do a lot more content on the World Cup. But I'm giving you a, I'm asking for a one word answer. Which African team is going to go furthest? And I want an unbiased answer. I'm particularly looking at you, Francis, who, who I'm sure has a bias in this. But let's hear it, boys. What team is going to go to the World, uh, to go the furthest in the World Cup? I think the Senegalese team are best equipped to go the furthest of our lot. But I think the Moroccans have a tremendous ability to put up a good show if they continue in the spirit in which they turned up uh, recently. But the Patriots in me hopes that the Cameroonian team 
can get their act together and just have four good games. If they have four good games, you're knocking on the doors of the semifinals. It's as simple as that. For me, it's Morocco. I, ju- I just think I enjoyed watching them during the African Nations Cup. I, I, I think Morocco, out of all the teams, will go the furthest. This is, I, I love it. A trademark answer from both of you. Francis with his kind of diplomatic hat on, giving me three answers in one, and Courtney coming out hard with one answer. Well, thank you so much, boys. For, it's easy for, the for him. There's no South Africa there. <laughs> Courtney, is, he's just quit the call. <laughs> he's lost it. He's too angry now. <laughs> well, thank you, boys. It's been enjoyable doing this without the big man, Zane, um, but hopefully he will be back next week. Thank you so much, guys. Okay, Alistair, lovely to see you.